Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz Bruner, and I am so excited for you to hear from this episode's guest. Make your mess your message. It's one of the mantras my guest lives by, and in so doing is living her best life and inspiring so many others to do so as well. For three decades, she has been breaking barriers and winning awards in the television industry. And for the past 15 years, we've had the privilege of waking up to her genuine smile and spirit on ABC's Good Morning America. Robin Roberts, welcome to my podcast. <laughs> oh, Liz, thank you very much. I appreciate that introduction as well. Well, you recently celebrated 30 years with the Disney family, half of them with ESPN, the other half at ABC. And might I add, the longest tenured co-anchor at GMA. Congratulations. That's a, quite a feat in this industry. <laughs> thank, thank, well, wait a minute. Let me put my teeth in. I'm an old woman. Let me put my teeth in. Thank, thank you, Mary No, it is a blessing. I never in a million years would have thought that I would have um, had this kind of tenure and to be the the senior statesperson, if you will, <laughs> on morning television. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for all the opportunities that have come my way. Well, as I understand it, you played basketball and tennis and your dream as a child when you were growing up in Mississippi, you wanted to be a professional athlete. So this is where your life took you. You have done your homework, my friend. <laughs> yes, I wanted to be more than anything uh, a professional athlete. In fact, when I was 12 years old, I was a state bowling champion back in my home state of Mississippi. And it was in college, oh, actually in high school, that I realized I was not going to uh, be able to play professionally. That little thing called ability that you must have. <laughs> I had the heart and the passion, but not quite the ability. And there were not that many opportunities, frankly, for women at that yeah. point in, in athletics on a professional level. So I went to college, I majored in communications, and I decided my way of being a professional athlete would be, would be a sports journalist. Yeah. And so I graduated from Southeastern Louisiana University, worked in local radio there for a while, then local television as a sports reporter and anchor, never wanting or had the desire to move into sports. Um, uh, excuse me, into news. Sports is my comfort zone. Yeah. I realized, like so many people, Liz, that I was being asked to do news, and I was and mm. I was replying no out of habit mm. because I had always said that, and then I realized I don't feel that way any longer, and then had to get really honest with myself and say to myself, "Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and take a chance?" And I'm so glad that I did. Anytime you step out of that comfort zone for any of us, that can be very scary. What were your fears when you left local television and then you went national to ESPN? And how did you overcome those well, fears? I, oh, my goodness. Well, I, I enjoyed local television so much because you're part of a community. Yes. When you're at the network level, it, yes, it's, it's wonderful that people all are, literally all around the world can see you, but I, I miss that, that connection of being a part of, of a community. And I guess the, the scariest part of it is that you hear all the stories. You hear all the, you know, how cutthroat it is, and mm. everybody's out for themselves, and you've got to, you know, act a certain way and that. And uh, fortunately for me, that has not been the case. I have had such wonderful colleagues. Our mutual friend, David Muir, is somebody that I just so respect and so grateful for the friendship that I have with him, and the, and the list goes on and on. Diane Sawyer was so gracious to me, is still a, a very dear friend. Charlie Gibson, when I started as a co-anchor with, with both of them. 
And so, as always, as normally the case, fears are unfounded. Just think about all the wasted energy because you're fearful of things that never come to fruition. So true. You mentioned stories a moment ago, and... I'm often asked, you know, what are your favorite stories when, that you covered when you were an anchor reporter in Boston? And I find that really hard to answer. But I've always said that it's the stories of triumph over trials and tribulations. Mm. My sense is that may resonate with you as well. Absolutely. We are kindred spirits in, in many ways, Liz. And I think of, of the opportunities that both of us have had um, and, and the people that we have met, the stories we've been able to share, mm-hmm. and it is those those stories of triumph over trial, and especially when it's a situation. Um, Hurricane Katrina. Yes. My hometown of Pastor Stan, Mississippi, was almost blown off the map by the hurricane, and I went down. I was newly uh, appointed as a co-anchor with Charlie Gibson and Diane Sawyer, and thinking, oh boy, what have I done? Why have I, I changed from sports? I go down to the Gulf Coast, report the next morning. I had just found my mother and siblings less than an hour before going on the air. Um, I broke down on live television Mm -hmm. crying um, after I gave my professional report of everything that had gone on. And then Charlie asked me, when you left here, you didn't know the condition of your family. Were you able to find them? And then the emotion just overtook me. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be fired. You're not, you know, this is 2004. Uh, and you just don't, 2005, excuse me, you just don't, you don't show that kind of emotion on, on television. And just the opposite happened. And what I really appreciate about that story is how many people adopted my hometown and adopted areas that were affected by Hurricane Katrina, that mm-hmm. they could tell that I was really uh, moved and, and touched by what had happened and wanted to help in some kind of way. And the way that people all around the all around the world responded mm-hmm. and it just showed me that even in in trials like that there there's that there's triumph in that mm-hmm. and i really appreciate those types of stories but i think it too robin is it's your authenticity that came through in that moment right when you were on the air and Charlie asked you that question and it's the same authenticity that you showed when you were facing your own two life-threatening illnesses breast cancer and a rare blood disease how did you make the decision to be so authentic and to share that personal health scare with the world? Was how difficult was that to do that? It was it was difficult, Liz. Um, I think because I had been so open with the public in two thousand and five mm-hmm. and broke down and cried as I did, and how I was embraced and it showed me and I, I was smart enough to go, my gosh, people just want you to be real. They're, yeah. they're not getting that. Yeah. And so it really encouraged me to go ahead and, and, and be my true self. So, but still, when, when faced with a huh, diagnosis and anyone who's heard those words, you have cancer and you just go numb, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how much I should share or what I wanted to share, and there was a part of me that, oh, my gosh, you know, um, I'm an athlete and I've always professed to have this kind of healthy lifestyle and look what's happened to me and and um i don't want to i don't want to be a bad example and all these wrong things are just flying through your head and my mom was almost like a share in moonstruck snap out of it what are you what are you saying about that do you feel that way when someone tells you that they're ill do you think that they've done something wrong and i'm like no ma'am and she said get out there make your mess your message 
You have a platform. You have health care. You have a good job. You have so many things that others do not have when they're faced with this kind of situation, mm-hmm. this kind of, of health care. So why don't you be their voice? Why don't you use this as a way to get the message out? Because because of my early detection, which is no guarantee, but because I have been dig- diligent in um, checking myself, that when I felt that lump, I went to the doctor right away, and the early detection helped um, save my life. And so that was my message to get out. And then, unfortunately, the treatment, because it was such a severe case, and it was triple negative, which is a very aggressive form of breast cancer, and they had to treat it aggressively. And, unfortunately, it led to another even more life-threatening condition that was very rare that that would happen. And, again, I was able to get the message out about being a bone marrow donor. I didn't realize how many diseases and afflictions could be saved through a bone marrow transplant, like mine was saved because of my sister, and not all the time it's a family member a match. You have to rely oftentimes on the registry, and so for us to be able to increase the registry, that was making our mess, our message. Absolutely. And I, I love that. That's from your mama, as I recall, make your mess your <laughs> yeah. message. And you have so many wonderful quotes. And I think this is another one from your parents, the three D's, discipline, determination, oh, yeah. and the Lord. <laughs> and the Lord. And the yeah, Lord. I know my mother and father were very big about, you know, the three R's, but it was about the three to be determined. You know, my father was in the Air Force. He was military, a Tuskegee Airman. It was all about, uh, you know, being disciplined and, and the determination that you have to have, and the Lord, uh, and that really has served me, those three Ds have really, really served me well. Is that a favorite? Because you have so many more. When fear knocks, let faith answer the door, and everybody's got something, which you turned into a New York Times best-selling book. So which of those is your favorite, or do you have another one? <laughs> oh, I do. When you strut, you stumble. That's what mom, you know, mom oh. always said that, because when, you know, as an athlete, you think you're all that, and you know, you've done really well, and you know, I'm a state champion, and boy, look at me. And she would go, honey, when you strut, you stumble. Like, oh. You know, just stay, just stay humble. And I just always remember that, and it's so true. Just don't get so full of yourself. <laughs> I and love so that. that. That's one of, my, one of my favorites from her as well. That's a good one. 3.15 alarm clock. Been there, done that. Not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have. Uh, and you also spend, though, 30 minutes meditating every day. Can you share with us your practice and how it has given your life meaning? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for asking that. It happened a few years ago. Um, I had the good fortune of working with some phenomenal people, as you have had as well. And I remember one time at Good Morning America working with George Stephanopoulos, and there was something that happened during the show. And I was just like, oh, like so like loaded for bear. Like, what is it? And I turned to him, and I'm thinking, like, if I'm angry, boy, he must really be. And I looked at him, and he was very calm. Oh, really? And I remember after that program, I said, George, um, what are you doing? And he says, I meditate. And he was the one who introduced me to it and his instructor here in New York. Wow. And like many people, oh, I can't meditate. I can't, I can't stop thinking. I can't quiet my mind. That's malarkey. It's not about um, uh, that at all. It's about being mindful of your thoughts. And when you mm-hmm. do have thoughts when you're meditating, uh, recognizing them, pushing them gently away with, with your mantra. Mm-hmm. If nothing more, Liz, it's just being quiet for mm-hmm. 30 minutes. It's just hearing your own breath. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful. And I really, I mean, I, I enjoy my work very much. It's very stressful. Every job is stressful. Um, and covering politics and 
life, you know, coronavirus and all these things. And I'm just someone that just internalizes so much. And I needed something, an outlet like this. Mm -hmm. And it has been the best practice I could do for for myself. And I really encourage people, especially those who are like, oh, I can't stop thinking. That's not about it. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not about not having thoughts. Mm-hmm. There's no way you would not be alive oh, exactly. if you did not have a thought. Exactly. <laughs> so that's that you're supposed to, but it's just um, acknowledging that, recognizing it, pushing those thoughts away uh, as best you can. And, and, and I'm just really grateful that George introduced me to it. Mm. You have said that you are a storyteller at heart, and now you're taking those skills into your next chapter as a movie producer in partnership with Lifetime Television. (laughs) And your first movie aired in January under the umbrella of Beyond the Headlines. You must be so excited about this next chapter of your career. Why did you want to do this? Well, you can understand this. You you want to exercise another creative muscle. You know, television has been very good to me, and I enjoy it very much, you know, being a a journalist, and I'm always a journalist at heart. That's why doing the movie for Lifetime, and and thank you for all who watched it, it did did extremely well. The story of Kamaya Mobley, a young woman Mm -hmm. who was snatched, stolen at birth, and raised as somebody else's child and didn't find out until she was 18 years old that the mother that she raised her was actually her abductor. And the Beyond the Headlines is the real documentary where yeah. we talk to the real Kamaya. Um, and I am just so thankful that I, I, I have this opportunity to be able to flex a different creative muscle. And it's all about, you know, you can throw stats and figures at people, but you've got to do it through a story. You've got to give people a reason why to care about something. And Diane taught me, Diane Sawyer, bless her heart. I love her. She taught me that. (laughs) I love her. That what you do as a journalist, that that the stories, that the reporting that you do, that hopefully it will cause a reaction that leads to action. You know what I mean? Yes. That somebody will see your storytelling and go, oh. Oh my! Oh, we got to do something about that, yeah. good or bad, whatever it is that you're that you're sharing with them. And uh, I, but at the heart, everything um, that I do, being even being a film producer now, it's about the narrative. It's about the story. It's about being finding another way to connect with people. Can you shed any light on what the next story is, the next movie that you're going to do? Liz, I like you, but I can't do that. No teases? I've had to learn in this business. <laughs> if you give it up, you give up the good too oh, soon. I, I had to ask. I had to try. <laughs> you did. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask, right? Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> Authenticity. To me, it is certainly one of the definitions of living your best life, which is why I wanted to do this podcast to be begin with and why I so much wanted you to be a guest on on the show with me. How would you describe living your best life? Thank you for asking that. And I love that that's what the title of your podcast is. And, and that's what I aspire to do every day when I say, good morning, America. Mm-hmm. I just really hope that um, I want people to live their best life. And for me, it's living life on your own terms. Look, I am very blessed and very fortunate that the profession that I have chosen and the level that I have reached has um, afforded me many opportunities, and, and um, I, I'm grateful for that. I did not get into this for recognition or for the paycheck. I, 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 that was never my motivation, never has been, never will be. 
when I say live your best life, it's just that. It's just what brings you joy, mm-hmm. especially as you get older, Liz. Yes. I was reading a book recently because I'm going to have a milestone birthday this year, and it said, go back to those things that, what brought you joy as a child? Mm-hmm. And I played a lot of tennis when I was younger. In fact, I, actually, my scholarship at Southeastern was for tennis, but I played basketball instead. And I haven't played tennis, and I can't remember how long. So this last vacation, I got on the tennis court, and I felt like a kid again. And I'm like, why am I not playing tennis? And so I'm going to, <laughs> to, go, going to, going to start playing again. And it's just, um, it, it's just being cognizant of people around you, of wanting to live your best life, but also those around you. I think that's, that's the thing that really gets me. It, living your best life is not totally um, on, your, on yourself, but I will say this, self-care is not being selfish. Correct. You know, yeah. self-care is something that is underrated, underappreciated, and we have to care for ourselves before we can care for others. And I think that is part of living your best life. So true. There is another quote that is a favorite of mine that's on your Facebook page. It takes courage to believe the best is yet to come. So, Ms. Robin, what is next? <laughs> oh, you know, my sister Sally Ann was the one um, who, who said that to me when I was going through my, my latest, uh, my last um, health woe, and she was the one who was my donor. And I was, my, our, our mother had passed away shortly before mm. I had the transplant, and I was just at an all-time, all-time low. Um, and... And I just didn't want to really continue on. And she said it takes courage. And she knows that mm-hmm. would really get to me because we, I believe, I know we are all stronger than we know. I know that I did not feel that had I, you know, my parents both being deceased, Hurricane Katrina, breast cancer, um, MDS, the blood disorder, all these things that have thrown my way, and that I would be standing where I am happy, mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, never would have, I never would have thought that. So it does take courage to believe that the best is yet to come. And what's yet to come for me? You know what, for me, I didn't know I would be doing what I am today. Yeah. You know, I, had, I did have a basic game plan, because mm-hmm. the athlete in me was like, okay, I want to graduate, and then I'm <laughs> going to work in this size market for this many years, and then, then a top 10 market, and then uh, all that. So I did have a, a working plan. But I never thought I'd be yeah. at Disney for 30 years, yeah. saying good morning to America for the last 15 years and counting. So I am not going to be anxious thinking about what that next is. I'm just going to be grateful that Lawrence and Lucy Marion Roberts instilled in their baby girl the courage to know that whatever that next is, I'll be able to face it head on and, and, and embrace it. And I'm looking forward to that next. And I'm going to share a quote from my mom to you, oh. which is, the goal of living is to be able to absorb all of the pain of life and lose none of the joy. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that lovely? Wow. Aren't we fortunate? We are. You know, that we have these, these things that our mothers have shared with us mm-hmm. and stay with us. And I'm so proud of you, Liz, and for doing this podcast and doing what you have done for so long, and, and that is to lift people up, to share their stories, and you have found another avenue to do that and to encourage us to live our best lives. 
and I appreciate that very much. Well, your spirit and light are as bright as ever, and I can't thank you enough for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to share this conversation and this time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to all of you listening, thank you. May Robin's messages of hope and resilience inspire you. Until next time, be well.